that can win it. Along with his reputation for leading early instead of holding back until the last lap, he had a tremendous leg speed. His career best for the mile was three minutes and 54 seconds, only three and a half seconds off of the world record at that time for a mile. Kind of a, a legend status. Many people thought he died. Of course, he died, he died too early, but he would have set records that to this day are, are uh, not breakable. But, you know, I want to just minister on, on this thought of running the race because there's, and, and this is what I'm preaching on, Gloria, because I know you were wondering, running the race. You know, I mentioned in a sermon not too long ago, uh, in Colorado Springs on being planted firmly, but also stretching forward. And I want to just carry on with that thought because, you know, we, uh, the, what we preached last night and what's been ministered al- already this morning on, on discouragement, you know, we, we all live with some regrets in life. We all live with some things that we would like to go back and change. We can probably all think of some things we'd like to undo and hit the the undo button maybe more than once. Thank God for undo buttons on computers, right? We can we can back up a little bit and we can fix some things. And but there there has to be if if we live there and we live looking in the rearview mirror of of life so to speak, we're in serious trouble. It's a dangerous thing when you when you focus on that little mirror that's that's looking behind instead of on this windshield that's in front of us and looking out beyond and and even sometimes way down the road being able to to see far down the road and there's something that we that we we have to develop a a mentality and a heart that is not set on what's behind us and looking behind us and when you think of a runner a runner is in there are three things that are happening with the person that is running there's there's the the step that they just took then there's being planted where they're at, so they have to. They have to. They're they're stationary. They're here, right here, right now. But then they're also stretching forward into what's next. And people that are that are are runners, they have some, they have momentum. When you're running, you've you've got where you left, where you're at, and where you're going. And this is the mentality we have to develop when it comes to ministry and being useful in life and in the things of God. We can't live where where we were. We cannot have that, that thought, but we can, neither can we, can we stay where we're at right now. So we have to be planted. We know that there's a reality to where we are. This is, I mean, here we are right now. Whatever situation that you're in, whatever you're facing, that's where you're at. You may not have asked for it. It may have come on you by somebody else's decisions, but that's where you, you find yourself right now. But it doesn't mean that's where you're going to stay because you've got to begin to take some steps towards what God has for your life and being able to step forward, in fact, stretching forward for for what God has for your life. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3 in verse 1. And Paul Paul is the perfect one to be able to say these things and to say what what he's saying because of his history and the and the the successes and even failures that he's had to deal with listen to what paul writes in philippians he says further my brothers and sisters rejoice in the lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it's a safeguard for you Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. 
For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on law, faultless. So he's giving his credentials. He says, if anybody's got something to boast about, he said, I've got the credentials. I've got all of these things behind me. He says, but whatever were gains to me, now I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Doesn't matter what, what was. Doesn't matter what, I've, what kind of a name I've made or kind of things I have in my pedigree. Those things, he says, what is more, I, he said, I consider those laws for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So you can see here, he's talking about where he came from, what's in his past. I don't, he says, I'm not getting, putting a whole lot of stock in that. Here's where I am right now. And he says, then I'm looking forward to what's ahead of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is head, ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us and touch us this morning, Lord, as God, what's been ministered it would be settled and sealed in our heart, Lord, and we will come to a place in these altars, Lord, where we'll set some things before you and walk out of here liberated and free in our hearts and in our minds. God, I thank you for speaking to every life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Paul writes this because he knows the kinds of things that people are going to be dealing with, and he puts, the, he puts it in something in a way that people can understand, that life is a race. You may not be a runner, you may not even be an athlete, but we can all, we can all look back behind us, and we can all get an understanding of what it is to look behind us and, and also to, to plan ahead and think about the future a little bit. And, and I want you to think about this. Life is about being planted firmly where you're, you are and understanding the situation you're dealing with, but also looking forward and stretching forward in faith. And it's critical. This is so critical that we have vision in our lives, that we don't just drift there are too many people, probably people here, even here right now this morning, that you are in a place where you are drifting in your life. 
You don't have a, you don't have a, a, a plan for the future. You don't have a plan for even the next, you know, six months. You don't, you're just kind of, kind of going with the, the flow of things. And I can tell you that's, that is, we've all been there. All right. We've all been in that place where we're kind of in limbo, but it's not a place that you want to live and stay in life. There has to be some some direction. And, the, and, and when we give our lives to the Lord, what God does in a person's life is he puts meaning. He gives us purpose. He gives us direction. It's one thing to, to say, you know, you need purpose, but to have purpose is something different. When God calls, like Pastor Marshall is ministering this morning, when God calls us out of darkness and into light, he puts his plan on our lives. He puts his stamp. You may not, have a, you may not be on a career course. You may not be on, on uh, you know, a, a marriage course or something like that, but God can put a destiny and a burden in your heart and give you something that gives you meaning in life, purpose in life, a reason to wake up in the morning. He says, I can do something with you. What's behind is behind us. Where you came out of, leave those things behind. The things that you've, the failures and all of those things, you know what? That's yesterday. I've got a new plan. I've got a new purpose. I'm going to do something fresh in your life. And it's critical that we have a vision for what he wants to do. And that vision, when it comes to the Lord, always involves reaching the lost. It always involves the harvest, the harvest of souls. People are his business. Are we into, are we into you know, having nice things and big churches? Well, praise God. If that's what, what, what happens, then, then let it be. But people are at the very heart of what God is involved in. God's not involved in, in, in major buildings and all of those things unless it is for the sake of the gospel and preaching the gospel. And I just finished another book on A.B. Simpson. I've, I, I tell everybody about the books that I'm reading. Pastor Marshall heard it. Somebody else heard it this morning. When I read these books and I see the kinds of things that God has done and what God can do, I learn something from them. A.B. Simpson was the one that he was the pioneer for the Christian Missionary Alliance. Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, they bought a building in Manhattan downtown right off about a block off of Times Square beautiful building called the gospel tabernacle and they were they were preaching the gospel when churches weren't uh, evangelizing and they were you know pressed he was part of the presbyterian um, that organization they weren't they were they were comfortable with their with their crowd they were comfortable with all of their older people and just having church and business as usual but he had a heart and a burden for people to be saved and they were, they were evangelizing in New York, and people were coming in from all over the place. So much so, they said, we want a church. We want, we want a building. We want a place where we can, we can be based off, out of. So they built this great, this great place right down at, at 8th Avenue and 44th Street, and it was a, a beautiful building for preaching the gospel. People came from all over the world to be able to, to see A.B. Simpson and what was happening with this ministry. And they had their share of fights, but eventually things began to they began things began to change. They began to change their course. They rejected, for one, the big difference. How many are familiar with the Christian Missionary Alliance? Anybody here? Good organization. They've evangelized and preached a lot, but they do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the initial evidence, speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This was his major 
This was his major thought. And it, and it became a diversion. But th- to have a vision for, for winning the lost, a vision for souls. And what God was doing was he was transforming lives through this man. And out of this ministry, people were coming in from all over the place because they were hungry. And there was, there was something that they saw in this. And without a vision, the Bible says the people perish. People are lost without a vision. So there are several things that I want us to consider regarding the past. And the first thing is, is that, that you can't live in the past. You can't hold on to the past. You cannot, you cannot hold on. You might have regrets, but those regrets, they, they cannot define us and hold us because if we allow them to, they will keep us from ever doing anything for God. And the devil's good at reminding us, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can't, you can't pray for the sick. Remember all those people that didn't get healed? You know, you begin to think about things that didn't happen and what, what, uh, what should have happened but didn't happen. We begin to think and live in regret. And our biggest problem sometimes is that we're, we're remembering and, and we're digging up all the things from the past. And, and if we're not digging them up, our family members are digging them up. And you're trying to forget what you used to be like before you got saved. And somebody else is saying, hey, remember what you used to be like before you got saved? Our biggest problem is that we are, we are remembering the past and God has already, he's already moving past it. He's already taking us beyond that. He wants, to, he wants to do something new in the, in the Word of God. It talks about, it talks about the old wineskins and the new, new wineskins. And he, and he talks about how you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin. Why has he put that in there? Because we are by nature hard-hearted, hard-headed, and we, we are unwilling to change, and we become dry and crusty, and even in our spirituality and our Christianity, we can become dry. And God will never pour a new wine into an old wineskin, and I don't want to be an old wineskin. And the way you become an old wineskin is you hang on to those, those uh, even, even the victories of the past. Even the victories of the past can be a hindrance. Paul says, I've got, I've got all of those credentials. He says, zealous. He says, look at me. Look how I was. I did all of those things. And so hanging on to the past when God wants, to, wants us to, to forget the past and, and, we, and we don't remember what God wants us to remember. We miss out on that. We live in the glory days. One Christian put it this way, success is not determined by what we are, but rather by what we are compared to what we could be. Success is not determined by what we are, but rather by what we are compared to what we could be. It's not measured by what we have done, but rather by what we have, but why we, rather by what we have done compared to what we could have done. The, other, the second thing is you can't hold on to the present situation. I love the fact that that Brett, my grandson, is seven years old right now. When Evan was seven years old, I loved seven years old for Evan. When we were when he was seven years old, we were living in Greeley, Colorado. It was a it was a good time. We were we we had tough times financially. We were doing like Pastor Mario was saying, the window cleaning. But thank God for Pastor Mario, and and uh, his his wisdom on windows because it saved our lives up in Greeley. 
And Brett was just seven, or Evan rather, was seven years old when we were up there. And I loved seven years old for him. If I could have held on to those days, I would have. I, I, I look at Brett now, my grandson, and he's seven years old. I, man, I love seven years old. But pretty soon he's going to be eight years old. And then he'll be 10. And now Evan is 24, and, and Elena is going to be 29. And I think, I think, man, where have all those years gone? I'd love to hold on to those years, but you cannot hold on to today any more than you can hold on to what, what happened yesterday. So we're planted, and we understand what God is doing today is, is, is a blessing, but it's not always going to be like this. And even if it's a, if it's a negative and, and it's a, a difficult and a bad situation, it's not always going to be like this. This is temporary. Now, what is God going to do? What, what does next year hold? I believe God, God has great things in store. And I want to believe that God is, is moving us in a direction where we can see his best and, he, and we can experience his glory for our lives. And, and we look and we say, well, I've never been able to, I've never had a breakthrough. I've never had uh, much success in this area or that area. Well, next year could be different. Five years from now could be different. I think about Pastor Marshall up in Denver. I was there last week and got to see what God was doing in Denver and the, just the excitement of those people and hearing the testimonies of the people that came back from that outreach and from, from their church, and I see what God has done. I remember being over at, on the west side of Colorado Springs, and Pastor Marshall was in this little building. I drove by it the other day, and I thought that's where Pastor Marshall had a church. What, look at how far we've come from this little building where Pastor Marshall was and all of the years that he served in the Colorado Springs Church, and now look at what God is doing in Denver, Colorado. He probably, he never thought, that they never thought they would be there. They've had their share of challenges. They've had their, their uh, setbacks in moving from Colorado Springs and having the security of, of work there and having to launch out and do this business and all these other things. Well, where are they going to be five years from now? Well, if I knew that, I would be God, but I know that God has good things for them. And I know the future is bright, both for their church and for this church and for all of us, if we will allow God to, to, to move us in that direction. And instead of thinking about what's behind us and not living um, perpetually in, in the place where we're at, but thinking, God, I know you got great things for us. I'm, we're, we're moving forward. We, had, we need to appreciate the present, but you can't live in the present. You know, one of the things we, we do is we... We like to escape reality. And the way we do this is we, we begin to think, well, if only I wasn't in this situation that I'm in right now. If only I wasn't, if only I wasn't married to this person, I could really do something for God. Well, you are married to that person. If only I didn't have to go to this job. Well, you do have that job. And we, begin, we try and wish ourselves uh, out of a situation. You know, it, people do that with their kids. If only, if only they could talk. If only this, this child could talk, then I, things would be different. And then they start talking. You say, oh, if only they could walk. If only they would stop talking. We... You, we wish the way the years away, and we, we think, you know, we, we allow distractions to rob us of, of you know, the, the moment that we're in. Appreciate where you're at. Appreciate it. Be here. 
be here, right here. This rally right here, next year we've got other things that we're working towards, and there's other things on the horizon, but here we've, we're here right now. You haven't you've heard that before, maybe on your job or somewhere. You Be here now. Be present here. Not, not, not you know, in somebody else's life when we're, on, we're distracted by the things that are on our telephones, on our, on our, our cell phones, and, and on social media. We're distracted. We're, we're pulled in so many directions appreciate what you have in the moment. Winston Churchill once made this statement. He said, if the present quarrels with the past, there can be no future. If the present quarrels with the past, there can be no future. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. In that moment where he's forgetting what is behind and he's straining towards what is ahead, one foot right there is planted in the reality of the situation and the other foot is stretching forward in faith. It's moving forward. I press on towards the goal to win the prize. You know, we're after the prize. What we want to hear is well done. That's what you want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You can, you can, you can make all the money in the world. You can, you can climb the ladder of success. You can, you can do what the world says are great things, and none of that is going to matter if you don't hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, life is too short. It's short. This guy was 24 years old, Steve Prefontaine, 24 years old. He was a legend. They had shirts printed. They would chant his name, pre, pre, pre. Everybody wanted to see this man win. Look at the people throughout history who have, who have built a name for themselves. They've, they've, they've accomplished something. Here, this man had, had done, done all of this. He was on the cusp of doing something even greater, setting more records, and, he, and his life was 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 ended in a car accident just like that um, just in a, in a moment's time you know think about it for a minute how short life really is i mean the only thing between you and eternity is that yellow line on the road all somebody does is come across that line and in a moment a person is in eternity and we think in our hearts in our minds you know what we think we've got forever when we're young, we think, man, I've got, the, I've got life ahead of me. I've got, you know, the world is at my fingertips. I can do whatever I want. And, and time just passes. One, one year becomes two years. And next thing you know, you've, you've wasted your life or you've spent your life. If you haven't done anything for God, you haven't accomplished anything, and even if you, even if you have, life is just short. And one day we're all going to stand before God and give an account to God for the life that we've lived. We're either going to give an account for our own actions and, and, and face him as our judge, or we're going to give an account for the things that we've done for the gospel and, and in our life as Christians. And you want to hear those words. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And the third thing is, is that we need to be devoted to what God has for the future. How willing are we to be a part of what God is doing a year from now. 
How willing are we to, to be a part of, of the future and what God wants to do and what he has for our lives? I say that because many times we're so risk adverse that we, that we you know, we, we hesitate and we, we, just, we just say, well, I'm, I, I can't because, and we've got a whole long list of reasons. And, and Jesus even uh, mentions this when he's talking about the ministry. And he, and he says this in Luke chapter 9 and verse 61. Another also said to him, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How committed are we to, to the future? Were we willing to say, God, whatever you have for me, I'll leave all of these things behind. All of this stuff is unimportant. I, I want to do something for you. I want to be used by you. Everybody can't go like Pastor Dylan and Ashley are in Tanzania. Everybody can't go to Tanzania. But everybody can be involved and everybody can, to, can help to, to further the gospel and say no to the, the, the things of this world and self to the point we're not, we're not taking poverty vows here. We're not taking vows of poverty and, and we're just going to be poor for Jesus and we're going to give up everything. No, we're going to allow our lives to be, to, to be counted for the gospel. And whether we're going or we're sending, we're going to be a part of what God is doing. And a year from now, we're going to still be doing what God has called us to do. We're going to be part of the process. We're going to say to our resources, go and preach the gospel. I can never, I, I've prayed and prayed about this one situation that happened in, in my life, and I've never gotten clarity on it, and I don't know why, but I was sitting next to a guy on an airplane one time coming from Mexico City back to Colorado Springs. I was going through Denver, and this guy sat next to me, and he spoke about Kenya. He spoke about Costa Rica, and he told me, he said, my calling in life is to facilitate the preaching of the gospel. He owned an airport up in Salem, Oregon, somewhere in that area, and I, I did not get his name. And it bugged me to no end that I did not know who he was. But he told me, he says, God has put me in a place where I can make money. He was buying helicopter parts in Mexico and doing other things. He says, my job is to facilitate the preaching of the gospel. And I pray, God, help me to remember that guy's name so I can look him up. But whether I know him or somebody else knows him, there, somewhere there's a man who has that calling on his life to preach the gospel, and he's sending his resources. He's making his life count for the sake of the gospel. He's looking to the future, and he's devoted to it. You know, I want to run. I want to run with the vision. I want to be a part of, of carrying the vision and keeping the vision. And whether you're in the race or you're, or you're uh uh, you know, cheering somebody on and helping them. Don't don't be just simply a spectator when it comes to the things of God. Be a part of the process. He says, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind. He says, this one thing that I do. You know, there are several times in the Word of God where, where we get this one thing. Paul said this, he says, I'm giving my life to this one thing. Jesus told the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. He told Martha when she was arguing with Mary, he said, one thing is needed. And in Psalms, David says, one thing I've desired of the Lord. We have to be single-minded when it comes to the things of God. There are too many diversions. 
There are too many things that can keep us, and, and, and they're fighting for our attention. Their relationships that are unfruitful doesn't mean that those relationships are bad. It just means that those relationships are not helping you to fulfill what God has for your life. And you can't say yes to every, every competing interest for your time and your thoughts and your resources. There are, there are plenty of good uh, investments out there. There are plenty of good opportunities. But everybody is not sharing the same vision that you have as a church. If you look on television, there'll be, there'll be plenty of ministries and parachurch organizations and things that would love to have a piece of the pie. Where do we bring our tithe? Into the storehouse. Where is the need? Are there, are there other missions and, and missionaries out there? Of course there are. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good things that are happening in the world. But we have a pastor that is a part of our fellowship that's, that's on the mission field, and, and they, they're struggling on that side, and our resources are committed to that. Our resources are committed to, to planting churches. We've got a church in Carrollton. We've got churches in different places that need the support and, the, and, and they need our time. They need our prayers. We're not the only thing happening, but when, listen, when you've got a family and your family needs your help, that's where your attention ought to be. My attention should be there. And so we have, this is something that we can't get away from is that there, we need to be single-minded in our thoughts and in our, in our attention. And, and, and one of the reasons people cannot get involved in what God is doing is they, they've got too many other competing things for their time. They're just, they, they can't go on outreach because they've got this thing that they've got to do. And they can't, they can't come to prayer because they've got that. And they can't be a part of a, a discipleship on Friday because of this. And they've got all these different things. It, it's competing. Paul says, this one thing I do, at least he had his priorities in order. He had his, he had his, his attention on, in the right area. So we need to be focused, every one of us, on the right things because Jesus is still at work. He's still changing lives. And the problem is not the sinners. The problem is not that we don't know what to do or where to go. There, the, Jesus said, the poor you have always. Just look around. What did Jesus say? He says, if you want to pray for something, don't pray for the sinners. Pray for the laborers. Pray for laborers, for the kingdom, the workers. We need more workers. What we need, and I'll just speak from a pastor's perspective, we need people who will say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up a little bit early so I can be a part of what God is doing. Look at somebody and tell them, don't be lazy. Oh, my. I can preach a sermon right there on laziness. Don't be lazy. Because time is short and we need workers. And we're not just running a race for anything. We, we, there's a prize. Our prize is, in, is sitting in these seats right here. Our prize is, is, is people's lives being changed. Helping them make heaven their home. Our eyes are fixed on him. And we make a lot of sacrifices. And I tell you, the sacrifice is worth it. Can you say Amen. You know, when you're running, you have to make up your mind, and I, I, I'm saying you, but I'm speaking to myself as well. When, when, a, when a person has a heart to run and they are a runner, do we have any runners in here? We got a couple. I, I, I run, but 
not not for the sake of running, <laughs> not for the fun of it, like some some folks do. There was a time I did, but not anymore. But I should do it more. But you know, a runner, they don't care if it's if it's sunny out. I've been in places where it's freezing cold, man, and and you're thinking, what in the world is that fool doing running outside right now? He's got long tights on and and uh, shorts. Stuff that I probably wouldn't wear, but I guess if I was a runner, I wouldn't care. And they're running. They run if it's raining, if it's sunny, if it's snow outside. They'll run in the snow in Colorado because they enjoy the run. It, they're not limited by that. They run when it's winter, when when it's light, when it's dark. You see them with a the headlamp and and the 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 neon stuff on and everything. They're they're committed. They run at any time, and, and when it comes to running, you know, they, they, they say that you can hit this stride where you get a runner's high, and, it, and, they, and they, just, they just feel that, and it's, it's in their lungs. They just, they just love to run. It's, there's something in their, in their oxygen and everything. They just love to run, and for, the, for people that run, they'll tell you that it's the first mile that's the hardest. It gets easier after that. It's, it, it does get easier, but you do it because it's, it's a passion in your life. I want to close with this story, and I'm going to ask if the musicians would come. There was a man by the name of Bill Borden. Remember, you've heard of Borden uh, Butter, the dairy company, Borden? This family had a son by the name of Bill. Bill was, in 1904, a graduate of... Chicago High School. He was the heir to the family fortune. He was already wealthy. And for his high school graduation, he was 16 years old when he graduated. His, for his graduation, they gave him a trip around the world. And so, pretty good, huh, at 16 to take a trip around the world. Of course, they weren't getting on planes like us and, and bouncing from place to place, you know. He, he, he set sail and and traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe. And during this time, God really touched him and got a hold of his heart. And he wrote back to his family about uh, this, this desire in his life to be a missionary. To give up everything that he had, his fortune, and to be a missionary. But in, in response to, to, in their response and everything, uh, he made a commitment to go to Yale University. But during, at that time, he wrote in the back of his Bible two words, no reserve. Just right there at the top, no reserve. He arrived at the campus of Yale in 1905 and very quickly, they noticed there's something different about this guy. He's got, he's got some other interest in his mind. He began to testify, began to preach, and, and uh, he was way ahead of them. Of course, back in these days, these Ivy League schools had a much more uh, strong Christian uh, presence. It, they were founded with Christian principles, and it wasn't like the universities we see today. But, but there was a spiritual climate in this university. People were, there was a hunger there. At Yale, and he began to he began to preach to his classmates, and and it wasn't long that before he had a thousand or thirteen hundred students meeting in like small groups at Yale. They'd been converted. They'd been they their lives had been changed, and he's only he's only there for a few years, and and he knows at the end of this, I'm going to go on the mission field. 
I'm going to leave all of these things that I have, these earthly things. I'm going on the mission field. And sure enough, he got to, the, to his graduation, and he had a burden for China. He fixed his eyes on a Muslim people in China called Kansu. He never wavered. He challenged his classmates to consider missionary service, and one of them said that he was the, one of the strongest characters I've ever known. He put backbone into the rest of us at college. I always felt that he was the stuff that martyrs were made of and heroic missionaries were made of. Even though he was worth a tremendous amount of money, he always realized his heart was on the mission field. After he graduated, he turned down some high-paying job offers, and in the Bible he had, he wrote two more words under those first two, and he put no retreat, no reserve and no retreat. He set his eyes on China. But he did some undergraduate work at Princeton, and he was preparing himself for this time when he would go and his first stop was in Egypt to study Arabic. And while he was there, he contacted or contracted spinal meningitis. And within a month, he was dead, 25 years old. When the news hit the American newspapers, it was across the country, went across the country. Here was this guy who had so much potential, but he'd given his life and he'd lost his life so young, so early, just 25 years old in pursuit of being a missionary. And many people said, well, that it was a waste. What an untimely death. What a waste of life. Here he could have been in the U.S. He could have been wealthy and had all of these different things. But this wasn't the case. It was, it, and, and it wasn't a waste in God's perspective. And when they got a hold of his Bible, his parents got his Bible, he had written in the back of his Bible while he was on this trip two more words. And underneath that, he had written, first of all, it was no reserves. Second, no retreats. And in the last two words, he put no regrets. No reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. I wonder how many of us can have that, have that same spirit. You've spent so much time. You've done, done all of these different things. We look back. We live in the past. We're regret, regretting things. Or we're stuck in the present. We have no vision for the future. This man had, had the right perspective. No reserve, no retreat, and no regret. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with this vision? We're just a handful of people right here. I'm not speaking to 10,000 people. But I might be if we carry the gospel and do what we ought to do with what's in our, in our hands. I might be speaking to a million people right now. I might be speaking to a whole lot of people. What are we going to do with what God has called us to? Let's bow our heads across this place, please. We've had two other excellent messages, and I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts. I know you're, you might be discouraged. You may be wrestling and battling that spirit of discouragement. It's an unpleasant place to be, to be discouraged, to be, to feel like you're beat down and maybe people, maybe somebody, somebody in your families just told you you're nothing, you're worthless, you're never going to amount to anything. I want you to know that's a lie from the pit of hell. 
When God takes a person's life, he puts destiny in their heart. He gives us purpose. He doesn't just say, I can, I've got a plan for you. He begins to work that out in us. And he's always drawing us. So he's always working to bring us into his plans and his purposes. Even when we get off course, he works to bring us back to his plans. Even when there are diversions and distractions and we, 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 we lose a year here and we maybe we lost some time over there, he always is working to bring us back. He's got a call on our lives. Pastor Marshall ministered. He's got a call on your life. It's not upon us to, to make it happen. It's not on us to bring the dream to pass. It's God. God will bring it to pass. It's our responsibility to look ahead and say, God, I'm, I'll be obedient. I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I'm pressing on towards the prize, the mark, the high, the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. God, what you have for me is far greater than anything I could strive for on this earth. You might be gifted. You might be gifted in, in making money. And listen, that's a blessing. But let your money preach the gospel. You might be gifted in, in, in raising up leaders, but let's raise up leaders to fulfill the gospel. Let's do something with what God has laid in our hands and let's, let's be planted firmly but pressing forward. Pressing forward. We're going to open up these altars this morning. We're going to take time. And I, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would, would change us and speak to us and touch us and bring conviction. And if we're, if we're discouraged, let Jesus lift that burden off of your life and walk out of here free and, and, and in victory. If you've got a call on your life, let it be a, let this be a, let let this altar be a place of reference. Say, God, I hear your call. I'm listening to it, and God, I want to do something. I want my life to count. I want to hear those words. Well done. Maybe you're wrestling with with where you're at in your life, and you you say, I don't I don't have direction. I'm kind of drifting. I'm 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 not sure where I need to go. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And if you're not sure, be planted. God will begin to open doors and opportunities, and He'll lead you. That's why God gives us pastors. That's why He gives us, he gives us people in our lives to help us to make right decisions. It says, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Now let's, let's do that. Can we stand? Let's open up these altars this morning. We're going to just take time this morning and find a place to pray in these altars. We're going to... Get a hold of God. I don't want us to just come for two seconds and then we just walk away. Let's really make, make an altar. Maybe turn around at your seat or something. Let's just talk to the Lord and spend time this morning. We have, we have a limited amount of time. Let's make it count this morning. Let's speak to the Lord. Let's just begin to unload our, our burdens and, and give them to Him. And let's, let's just let the Holy Spirit do His work in us this morning.